Welcome back to another episode in the Inia Health series. We are just about halfway through or just over halfway through this series where we talk about practical health tips that can actually make a difference in your life. And today we're talking all about Enneagram Type 5 with a real life Enneagram 5. I know it's a miracle that one came on the show and we have her here today. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place where I believe you were made for living well. And I love saying that because it's so against the norm, making you believe that you're just a body needing fixed. And it's such an easy mindset for Enneagram type fives to get into, to view health as just another hurdle that they have to overcome or work to store, hoard, and conserve, the scarcity mindset type of health rather than living in true abundance. Now, if you didn't go back and listen to the previous episode where we take a deep dive into Enneagram type five, you're going to want to do that before you listen to today's episode, which is an interview with an online friend and real life Enneagram type five. I know I said it before, but it truly is a miracle that any Enneagram 5 stood up and decided to come on the show because I know that you are very private people. And while you have a ton of knowledge and insight and intellect to to share, that you like to do that in smaller settings. And there's nothing wrong with that. But today on the show, I welcome Cassidy Tyler, who so willingly volunteered to come on the show and talk about what it's like to be an Enneagram type 5. I also ask her questions like what she struggles with, what does she like, and what works well. We even dive into a new view of meal planning that might help all Enneagram type fives out there. It really is an insightful show, and I think that you're going to love it. Because at the end of the day, what I want health to be is something that you are. It's who you are, part of your identity, not just what you do or another chase or fight that you have to try to win. It's knowing yourself so deeply that you know how to provide what you need. It's really just knowing yourself. And the Enneagram could help you do that. Now, of course, there's only nine types and a billion people in the world. So you're going to just use this as a foundation. But more than another big box approach, this shows you what drives you, what motivates you, and what encourages you. And today we're going to dive into all of that with Cassidy on the show. But before we get there, I just want to remind you that if you want all the practical information, the health tips, the meal planning ideas, head on over to the show notes at thelivingwell.com and download the 10 plus page guide I put together just for you. Now, of course, it's always good to learn about everyone else that you're involved with in your life, whether it's a spouse, coworkers, a sister, a friend, or even your children. So make sure you download all the guides or the guides that pertain to the other people in your life so that you can all work together and not just work so far apart. I know this from real life, or my husband and I can butt heads so hard, but when we learn to understand each other and what makes us tick, we help to support each other and it makes all of the difference. So again, find that at thelivingwell.com. While you're there, make sure you check out a planner. I think it can really help you manage your time, manage your energy, your resources, things that are of so much value and importance to you, and help you plan your life in a way that you can get the most done in the least amount of time. The Nourish Planner is your tool to do that, and I show you how to use it based on your Enneagram type over at The Living Well. 
So make sure you check that out and then stay tuned as we dive into the show today with Cassidy. Welcome to the show, Cassidy. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, you are my only Enneagram Type 5 that reached out to be on the show. (laughs) So I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, like I said earlier, it's it's not really a a five-ish thing of me to do. But um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the Enneagram is something I'm I'm super interested in. And also as a 5, just super interested in self-awareness. So um, yeah, I'm glad you, you asked me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so excited to learn more about you and what you have to say because I think Enneagram 5s are kind of one of the more mysterious Enneagram types of the Enneagram series. And yet so much, like when I did research about Enneagram type 5, so much of what we do with health today is so against or what I would perceive against how a type 5 actually works. Like, do you agree with that? Like, being told what to do and programs like that's not really an Enneagram type five kind of thing. Yes. Yes. So I actually, (laughs) that's so great that you say that because that has been my, probably my biggest struggle with health is just, yeah, there's a lot of data and information and, and products and systems and programs that, um, you know, the world sells to you mm-hmm. and tells you is, is going to fix you. Right. And, um, as a five, we kind of have this deep sense of longing and knowing like there's something about me that's not fixable. And so, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really reconcile. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's probably one of my biggest struggles with health as a five. Yeah. Yeah. It was something I had no idea before I started doing the research. Um, obviously I'm a little outside of who I am reaching for an Enneagram five here, but it was really fascinating. And so we're going to talk about it later and some of the tips that I gave to see if they resonate more with you. But before we go there, can you just give us a brief overview about the Enneagram Type 5 and what you love about it and what you struggle with? So the Enneagram Type 5 is typically referred to as the observer or the investigator. Um, I prefer the observer more just because investigator sounds kind of aggressive and the, the five is in a withdrawn stance. Um, also, I found that as a five, no data seems irrelevant to me. So I will observe and, um, you know, I, I want to see anything and everything. Um, so I, I can find anything interesting. Uh, fives are attracted to uh, wisdom, knowledge, and learning. So we like having insight, learning the nature of things, mm-hmm. seeing how everything works together, whether it's it's the kitchen sink or if it's, you know, complex social systems. Um, so we have a huge fix-it problem uh, with the world, which can get pretty weighty, but it also provides a lot of purpose and meaning, I think, for us too. Right. Um, and then what I love um, about being a five I think it, it makes me a good advisor um, to be so observant mm-hmm. and a good listener. As a five, I hate to talk about my strengths. <laughs> right. It's not really something we like to do. But I think if there's one thing I could say, you know, is what I love is it gives me an open-minded, open-mindedness to um, really see the variables and factors mm-hmm. uh, that, that are helpful to give good advice, whether it's, you know, in relationships or financially we can kind of see the end result before it gets there. Um, so that also means it's, it's kind of a big responsibility to, to have people come to you with big problems, mm-hmm. but I think it, it keeps us healthy. Um, it keeps us wanting to be sharp um, for our relationships and wanting to help um, others 
um, where they are and, and in their needs. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I feel like I'm really pushing an Enneagram five to even be on this show. So I really applaud you for being <laughs> here and sharing. Um, but I like how you kind of kept referring to connection. And from what I was learning from the Enneagram Type 5, connection is one of the healthiest things or one of the best ways to make an Enneagram 5 healthy is this ability to connect with the world around. So correct me if I'm wrong, but by nature, you live more in a scarcity mindset. So maybe that's why you collect knowledge. Is that correct? Is that what you say? Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So um, I think our, our deepest, uh, issue with ourselves is thinking that we're not enough. Yeah. Um, so I have, a, yeah, we have a scarcity mindset, um, just kind of like in any facet of life, like relationally, physically thinking there's not going to be enough. Like at the end of the day, I'm not going to mm-hmm. have enough energy. I'm not going to have enough knowledge. I'm not going to have enough emotion to share, um, with someone. Uh, so yeah, definitely, um, always, feeling like there's not enough of us to go around. Yes. Yeah. And what's fascinating about an Enneagram type five, while we all have energy that we lose in a day, Enneagram Mm -hmm. type fives are surprisingly fixated on the amount of energy and the fear of losing that energy more Mm -hmm. than any other type. And so when I did the health recommendations, I talked about energy banking and basically Mm -hmm. meaning like doing more things to fill your energy tank and, less things to steal it away from you and trying Mm -hmm. to provide this idea that there is a life of abundance out there. You know, like there, there Mm -hmm. is more abundance than scarcity. Um, But one way we kind of mentioned this is the connection aspect of that. Is it difficult for a five to connect, say with other people, or is it more fear-based or is it not difficult? Mm -hmm. Is it just an energy thing? I, in this, I have a hard time speaking for other people mm. uh, because I don't know. Everyone is very different, but right. yes, personally, I think it is an energy thing. Mm-hmm. So I have found when I just, and maybe it's the five in me that's like, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to go to this social uh, mm-hmm. event and I'm going to connect with people that I know that I will enjoy talking to mm-hmm. once I start. But I think it's the thought of that going, like if I'm going to go to a social event, I need to know two days ahead of time so I can start banking my energy for that yes. thing that I'm planning on going to. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I definitely think it's, it's an energy thing um, mm-hmm. and a mindset of uh, this is valuable. This connection mm-hmm. is valuable. And at the end of it, I will have more energy than I had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I told you before the show, my brother-in-law is an Enneagram type five, and I would have never guessed, I mean, he is so great with people, and I would have never, I would have never guessed that the withdrawal mm-hmm. was even there. Like, I, I see him, like, wanting to go home at family functions, you know, just to, just to be alone. Like, I do see that aspect of him, um, but I mm-hmm. never really correlated it. So when I say, like, connecting, it's not like um, you're withdrawing because you don't like to be around people, you really do crave that, but at the sense of securing your energy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's more of a, um, of wanting to be generous with 
you know, whatever we feel like we have to mm-hmm. offer in the relationship um, and being afraid, you know, afraid that we won't be able to in that mm-hmm. circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The withdrawing is definitely not about not wanting to connect, but more about conserving energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea of energy and time, um, both of those mm-hmm. things kept coming back up over and over about the, um, like the fear of losing both of those or conserving them or hoarding them. Um, that was just like drawn over and over. And I feel like I'm just making that mm-hmm. connection that Enneagram fives are maybe more givers than most people, right? Like more naturally inclined to want to give, but you Mm -hmm. fear that you won't have what it takes to give or what you perceive as what it takes to give. Right. Um, I, yes. Yeah, definitely. So uh, just the more I learn about the Enneagram five, we really value like knowledge and, and learning and knowing as much about, you know, anything and everything as possible. So I think, um, a fear in being generous is, is I don't know enough, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have enough to give. So I'm, I might as well not give at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, a very broad definition of generosity, like outside Mm -hmm. of monetary, you know, definition of generosity. Right. Right. It's like every Enneagram type, they're always insecure about what they're actually very gifted at. Like type fives yes. to be the most intellectual of all all the people in the world, um, and yet it it brings up their deepest insecurity. It's not having enough knowledge. Uh-huh. In fact, they yes. generally have more than most people. Yeah, right. it's really really fascinating. But as an enneagram type five, you're in the head triad, so you're a thinker. Like you stay in your mm-hmm. head. What do you do? Like, what are some mechanisms that you do to get yourself out of your head? Like out of the Someone would consider a a thought spiral that you can easily get yourself into. How do you, Uh how do you keep your thoughts in your head healthy? I guess is what I'm asking. Sure. Uh, So this is a lifelong pursuit. I Mm -hmm. feel like for a five, how do I get my head, uh, my thoughts healthy? But I think as a five, naturally you tend towards minimalism. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like, it's, it's extreme in my case. I'm, I'm sure it is for others, but, um, just anything that's physically cluttery, um, mm-hmm. just if there, you already have enough clutter in your mind, you have to get the physical clutter out. So I think just a simple activity, to be honest, is cleaning. <laughs> I yeah. clean my house like every day, picking it up all the time. Um, I feel that it helps me think better. And then also just find something physical like to do, like whether it's like a a crafty hobby or, you know, doing updates on your house, whatever it is, it's just something physical that can get your mind like Mm -hmm. onto something like creative, Mm -hmm. um, get your mind out of itself, you know, Mm -hmm. working outwards instead of inwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense from the recommendations that I gave. Like I, um, I kind of said that you need to move before you get in your mind. Oh, and it's yeah. not to say that mm-hmm. your mind is a bad place. Like that's one of your greatest gifts. But again, I feel like fives are very extreme. Um, <laughs> and you wouldn't maybe even know that about them because you tend to be a little bit more mm-hmm. minimalist, a little bit under the radar. Um, mm-hmm. But 
when we look at fives in health, we see two extremes. We see um, almost like this intense gathering of information and wanting to do everything right and food is good or bad, like very quantifying health. Mm -hmm. Um, Some would consider this more of like the orthorexia route of this obsession with health. But then we see on the other extreme where fives can get so in their head and so in their thoughts that they often skip meals. And um, when they do remember mm-hmm. that they're hungry, they'll just reach for convenience food. Like it's like health isn't even a thought that they have. It's just kind of like mm-hmm. something that they need to do to sustain to sustain whatever it is that they're passionate about or whatever they are thinking about. Um, and so we see mm-hmm. two ends of the spectrums usually with five is like the extremes do you feel like that is there? There's truth to that in a five because it's hard to see that. Like as someone mm-hmm. who's not a five, that's hard for me to see. Kind of in a five. Yeah. So I feel like we we probably put off a very level headed, mm-hmm. um, for sure, easy going yeah. persona. Yes, and that is is maybe sometimes true. I would not say that it's not true, but the extreme happens definitely internally. So Mm -hmm. I would uh, very much identify with um, the extremes in health. I I did struggle with a period of restrictive eating and Mm -hmm. and being very obsessive um, about how I viewed health and food. But then, yes, like I think the the inclination then is to swing the other way. And and so when I'm trying, you know, to recover Mm -hmm. from restrictive eating, when I was trying to recover is like, well, how much should I care about this? Should I care about it at all? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, And, and you can swing way the other way. And I think it all comes back to, I don't, I can't, you know, I don't know enough to fix the problem. So Mm -hmm. I, I can pretend like it doesn't exist. Like I can Mm -hmm. pretend like health doesn't exist and, and, you know, how I treat my body or what I put in my body is, is irrelevant. Um, And that's kind of like a, I guess a, an escape mechanism for, for, yeah, for that extreme one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So you notice the extremes too, because like I said, it's as someone who's not that it's you fives do come across. It's extremely level headed down to earth, yes. mm-hmm. you know, pretty basic people. But when I was doing the research, I'm like, oh, you can totally see how just being so in your head, you could go in either direction. So mm-hmm. when we do look at creating health, right, like making this just something that a five does or like who they are, mm-hmm. not necessarily just a series of what they do, there's difficulty in coming to this middle ground. Mm-hmm. How have you found mm-hmm. a middle ground in this? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think it, it comes back to a lot of um, the idea of wholeness. Mm. Um, I would say that I feel most balanced when I am understanding how um, a certain action, a certain food, a certain exercise is affecting my, not only my body, but my mind in my um soul, so to speak, or, or my relation, you know, my relationship building, um, component. So, um, sorry, could you repeat the question exactly? Like, how have you found the balance in the extremes? Oh, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I would say, um, yeah, the finding the purpose. So my purpose in life is not to be healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
health is, is a part of my life, but it's not my purpose in life. And my, and my purpose in life is not to look a certain way or to, you know, to perform in any, um, or meet an expectation. Uh, so I think coming back to my purpose in life, which I'm a believer in Christ. So that's to make disciples and to know yeah. God, um, above all else. So when I come back to that, to that purpose, it, it's much easier to balance my, my health. It's, it's something for me to enjoy. Um, the health I do have is a gift and the health I don't have is, is something that will be given to me, you know, in, yeah. in good time. Um, because it's really important for a five to, to find a purpose. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's important for all of us, but I especially sure. feel like having a purpose outside of health mm-hmm. is important. But then if people are on the other extreme, I feel like there has to be a level of making sure that they're aware that their health is also vital to them living their purpose, right? Like it's all about this vessel, like taking care of the vessel in which you mm-hmm. do greater things. Right. So like how yeah. you said, yeah, like the wholeness and knowing your purpose. Like I think, I think that is a huge aspect and a key of kind of grounding yourself more in this middle space. I'm just thinking about this because it's, it is like a, <laughs> a very thinker thing to figure out, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you think about yeah. it, but not obsess about it or not overthink right. about it? I think, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, um, you as a five, just overthinking is just your life. Like, mm-hmm. that's just what you do. And mm-hmm. so, um, and that's not necessarily something that you can or should change about yourself, but just, yeah, finding the ways to balance that out. Um mm-hmm. And so when I'm overthinking or I'm, you know, I'm stuck and I'm in a loop in my thoughts, like just, you know, thinking the same thing over and over again and it's not productive, you know, I go for a run. Um, So, and, and that's, to be honest, the the best way I've found (laughs) to clear my mind um, Mm -hmm. from the clutter besides cleaning, obviously, but um, yeah, going for a run. um, I used to joke with (laughs) my professors um, in college that, if I couldn't, you know, write my papers, I just go for a five mile run. And at the end of it, my paper would be written, yeah. but um, it really is like, you know, our bodies are created to, to feel those, you know, endorphin highs and those hormone fluctuations in a way that, you know, helps us be productive or helps us um, get past those, you know, those periods of unhelp or, or uh, dysfunction, mm-hmm. you know, just within our own bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. And I think, I think you're so right on those tips of just kind of getting, allowing space throughout every day to get out of your mind, because I think it's in the clutter and the overwhelm that it becomes scattered, right? Like, um, Mm -hmm. everything starts to get jumbled and overwhelmed and you start to withdraw and maybe pull away. And, and that's really where we see this unhealth come out of a five, um, and pulling away from everything that they really are gifted and skilled at and passionate about, but at the same mm-hmm. time, when it comes back to balance and like talking about what a five does really well, I think it's fascinating to say that when a five gets on board with something, you can run with it and detach emotionally, like in a healthy way, detach emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes this just you. 
you know, like you mm-hmm. don't carry a lot of, uh, uh, you don't attach a lot of emotions to things. And so mm-hmm. you can just do things without having the guilt or the shame attached or also without feeling like it's taking over your life, right? Like, so if you were to make healthy changes and you like created those rhythms based around that, like there wouldn't be the emotional hold that maybe like an Enneagram two or three or four would have with like, say food, for instance, right? Just eating because you're sad. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't tend to be as common with an Enneagram five. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but once you get your mind in something and it becomes a habitual rhythm, it really is Mm -hmm. amazing at what an Enneagram five can commit to and be disciplined. Like you have some of the most willpower of any other Enneagram types and it's just so natural for a five. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, and not to bring it up too much, but that's what was, uh, kind of scary for me about my period of restrictive eating Mm -hmm. is like, wow, I'm, I'm actually really good at this. Yeah. But yes, I, I've seen it play out in good ways too. Um, just since, you know, rec- recovery and, and listening to your podcast, honestly, in the beginning, um, you talked a lot about hormone health and, mm-hmm. and just like a lot of those habits. I was like, yes, like this is, I, I'm committed to this. I believe in this. But I think the hurdle for us is, is to get to that point is like, I really do believe in this. I really believe this is um, helpful and beneficial. But yes, definitely like, once we see the benefit and once we, we see the way it works into the wholeness of our body, the wholeness of our mind, um, yeah, it's, it's very easy to commit and um, just, yeah, never turn back. Like, yeah. yes, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It really is pretty incredible. Um, just the, the discipline and um, just so many gifts that, and skills and strengths that an Enneagram 5 has. What are some other ones that you say that you use or could use to leverage in living like a healthy, balanced life? Sure. So um, I feel like I love to think and reflect on, you know, causes and effects of, of you know, just health decisions made, foods eaten or um, even con- conversations had, you know, relationships. Um, so I feel like our ability to reflect and um and then implement you know changes after reflecting is is a huge asset to our health um Mm -hmm. so just thinking of like yeah I eat pretzels a lot more than I need to because I do I wait until I'm like super hungry and then I don't have anything to eat I haven't planned for it um but what do I feel like after I eat pretzels I feel full but I don't feel energized right so knowing that um, the, it, it fuels us to make the better decision next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, and that's a very small example, but, um, I would say like even relationally, you know, like how we feel after a certain conversation with our spouse or with, you know, a parent or a sibling, um, we're not, we're, we very easily de- detach emotions from decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would not say that we do not feel emotions um, very deeply, I think, to our core. And so reflecting on on those emotions that have stemmed from conversations and then, you know, how can use that to, you know, better the relationship is something I think is a huge asset of a five. Um, like being able to feel those emotions super deeply, but also not 
react emotionally, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I want to clear, I want you to clarify something. So sure. fives think, right? Like they base decisions mm-hmm. based on what they think, not how they feel. But technically a five right. is also very sensitive. So where yes. is the emotional component in this? Like how do you, how, how does the emotional component work for a five? You know, it's, that is still something I'm trying to figure out. Um, when I first, you know, got into the Enneagram, I thought I was a five wing six. Mm. However, upon further reflection, um, as a five, 